Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We've got an amazing show for you today. Molly Wood is with me again, my co-host. You can follow her on Twitter at Molly Wood. She's gained like 20,000 followers since she started here, which is awesome. I know. Uh, Thanks, boss. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> just call me partner. Don't call me boss. Just <laughs> you pay, Thanks, partner. You've been doing this as long as I have. Partner I know. He's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk about Microsoft absolutely crushing their earnings. They're printing money. Uh, Satya is doing an amazing job. He's like the low profile, just absolute assassin in tech right now. Absolutely crushing it. And then... And then we follow up on the Stripe Mafia thread yesterday from the Bolt CEO. There was a bit of a pile on by the VCs. Jason, of course, jumped into that pile because the man cannot resist. And we, I'm not going to lie, we indulge in just like reading a couple of fun tweets because it was yes, low stakes it was and meme, it was meme-tastic. High amusement factor. High and amusement. then Molly and I get in a little bit of a debate. We mm-hmm. have different opinions about Joe Rogan's podcast on Spotify, but we may have found some consensus of how to deal with COVID conversations. Neil Young has to have his music removed from Spotify because he's so offended by Joe Rogan's anti-vax slash misinformation accusations, I guess. And then uh, we go deep into podcasting, right? We go deep into podcasting, our history with podcasts. And then, of course, uh, a startup of the week and... A request for an all new startup. Who among you can fix mm. Amazon? An RFS request for startups. Stick with us. It's going to be an amazing episode. This week in startups is brought to you by Our Crowd. Our Crowd helps you invest early in pre IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join Our Crowd for free at O U R C R O W D. Dot com slash twist. Notion is one place for notes, docs, projects, and everyday work that goes way beyond a wiki. Go to notion.so and use promo code twist to get $250 off an annual team plan. And Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. All right, Molly, what's in the news today? Lots of news. In the news today, we're actually going to start with some earnings. It's it's going to be earnings week, and I suspect mm-hmm. there will be some interesting stories, but we just could not walk on by the fact that Microsoft may have, in the mm-hmm. words of Jim Cramer, had its best quarter ever. Oh, In its history. In its entire history. Do you have supply chain woes, other companies? Microsoft does not. Do you have customer issues or problems with hiring other companies? Microsoft does not at all. Microsoft is on pay. Its revenue was up 20% year over year this quarter to 21. 20% on a very big number. Zero. Like who thought Microsoft was a hyper growth company? Mm. Just saying. On pace for almost $200 billion of revenue in fiscal year 2022, wow. which would also be a 20% increase over 2021. Uh, they broke, they matched earnings. I think that the big takeaway for me was that they matched earnings on gaming. And that was almost mm-hmm. $5.5 billion in revenue, which sort of like helps to explain why they're continuing to invest there. But again, yeah. when you look at where all of this money is, first of all, it's still in Windows. Right. It's still in the boring stuff. Productivity and business up 19 percent, 15.9 billion dollars. That includes LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Mm. LinkedIn up 37 percent year over year. Yeah, makes total sense. I mean, if you just think about 
LinkedIn as solving problems for business people like hiring um, and uh, marketing, like just those two things, finding leads and finding employees. Like that's like the core thing that businesses do every day. We yeah. need talent and we need those leads like the Glenn Gary leads. We need the good ones. I so mean, that combined productivity and business money. process is win money. that includes windows. That includes windows. That includes the Microsoft, the 365 solutions that, that you uh, either pay Subscribe for as a subscriber now. or a consumer, yeah. or they bundle it in now in enterprise. I mean, they're doing a lot of like quite clever bundling like they yeah. did in the old days to get people to buy everything at once. So it's enterprise licenses and it's consumer. Um, the cloud business, of course continues to be bonkers as your revenue alone up 46 percent year over year intelligent bonkers. cloud revenue up 26 percent to 18 billion dollars and then uh. personal computing up 15 percent xbox up 10 percent year over year search and mm. news advertising search and i mean search. they're even crushing so it bing, bing, with bing. bing it's a sleeper you know like they they maintain that i think they're somewhere in the 10 to 15 percent market share uh, so it's it's small but you know, they, they have an advertising business there and it works and default browsers work and being the default search engine and having news, it, it works. And I think and they're licensing Bing to ah. things like Apple, maybe to smart speakers. Like, I is don't that know that Duck, this Duck, is... I think DuckDuckGo might use Bing and then wrap it. I think that might be how they oh. build their search engine. Yeah. There used to be Yahoo had their own search API. Google had one. Google kind of shut it down because they didn't like the idea of people competing with them figure and then yahoo had search monkey uh, and they just never doubled down on it but there would be like 30 search engines right now if yahoo had kept that business going it was a really cool idea uh, and i think bing picked up that mantle but when we look at this there's three business lines i don't mm -hmm. know how they separate them but productivity and business process about 16 billion until the cloud mm -hmm. just over 18 billion and then personal computing, which is super confusing because I guess it doesn't include personal uses of office software, but it does include search news, Xbox, and that's over 17 billion rounded up to 18. So all three business lines are almost exactly the same amount of money. Interesting. That's pretty interesting too. That is fascinating. And then they don't, they don't reveal exact revenue, for example, LinkedIn, Azure, which is interesting. Smart. Um, Smart. And, they don't, they don't want to tip their cards. Right. They don't want any, they don't need Google. And Amazon finding out exactly how much money they're really making on mm. on Azure. I would assume, if I had to guess, I would say personal computing means like Dell buying Windows licenses to put on their hardware. As opposed to an enterprise computer and Dell sells, right. you know, a thousand workstations. I got Like it. every gaming laptop that has Windows pre-installed. I will say the Windows product is pretty phenomenal now. It's like really works well. It's tight. And gaming, who knew, but... You know, we, we thought gaming would maybe go to iPads and Android and turns out like hardcore gaming is just cementing itself into PCs. Yeah. And now all these kids and you have a kid and I have kids, they all want a PC because they want to do Minecraft, Roblox, Microsoft owns. Uh, yeah, uh, they want to do Fortnite. I mean, I, I would, my daughters are like, I need a micro Microsoft account. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, no, no, I seriously need a Microsoft 365. I'm like, no, you're, you're too young for Office. I'm like, no, I need it for Minecraft. Right. So now I've got to make my three daughters, you know, accounts on this service. Uh, I mean, pretty interesting. When you think about the fact that 
like there's this sort of behind the scenes trend like, yeah, you're right. PC gaming is totally back. That's so interesting. It's driven by Minecraft, which Microsoft bought and just quietly returned all of the kids to and then let yep. people build like player versus player. Like there's PVP servers and Minecraft now so that kids who aged out of Minecraft mm. can now still play Minecraft because they fight. They get to kill mm. each other. Yay. I, I mean, I just don't I have yet to identify a misstep by Satya mm. Nadella at all. Yeah. Even the hardware, even the surface hardware. It's pretty f***ing cool. Sorry. Yeah, uh, everything is pretty good. The Surface hardware is delightful. Um, I spoke at an event. They gave me a Surface. I was like, a thank you. That was very nice of them. And uh, That's a good gift because those things are nice. Yeah, it was like two grand. I, I you know, I, I have too many computers. I, I really got into Chrome operating system for a while. But then when the pandemic happened and everybody started using Zoom, Zoom sucks on Chrome and in a browser. Mm. So my whole team like abandoned Chrome, but in our offices, we had Chrome boxes on the back of Dell 38 monitors, man, it is so great and so stable. And that seems to be also getting an incredible foothold in education. So I don't know if your kids have like Chrome laptops at school, et cetera. So, oh yeah, Chromebooks galore. So weird how uh, Microsoft and Chrome have won the hearts and minds of this generation and Apple hasn't. Yeah. Apple just went, Apple went premium. Like. Full stop, right? They abandoned the mm. like education market to some extent. I mean, they still have a little education discount, but what are you going to do with 15% when the starting price of so everything dumb. is six, $700? They just decided we're a premium brand. We're about our margins. It's working. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. And our crowd is an investment platform that analyzes many of these companies across the global private market. Then they select startups with the greatest growth potential and bring them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics and quantum computing and more. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between. Our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest. And that's early. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies. And many of their members have benefited from their 46 IPOs or exits. And that's what it's all about, folks. You want to get in early, you want to have a nice diversified portfolio, and you want to hope that you get one of those great exits or IPOs. So here's your call to action. You can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at our crowd. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community in the world at ourcrowd.com slash twist. Once again, that's O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D.com slash T-W-I-S-T. But I think like as a as a sort of CEO to emulate, like when you look at CEOs that are just crushing it, I Satya, what is so interesting about Satya Nadella is that he is crushing it. So he's so quiet, right? He's not in the yeah. mold of the CEO that is in the news. I actually wrote a piece for The Atlantic about how Microsoft, I did, by the way, I, that was a total humble brag. That was a not humble brag. It's pretty good. Atlantic, that's a pretty great buy They me for one piece. So far. To pay, so far. pay well? Pay well or no? Oh, God, no, no, no. It's a magazine. Come on. You're there for the Magazines name. used to pay $1 to $3 a word. I used to get paid one, two. Remember those days? Yeah. 800, yeah, those were... 800 words, 800 bucks, 1600 I mean, bucks. Those days that. are over. Is no, it about that dollar a no, word? No, it's yeah. like 50, 75 cents a word, I think. I mean, I just but can't get out of bed for that. I wrote about oh. how they, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it for any other brand. Let me tell you that. Yeah. But what I wrote about is that they have, they have managed to evade the antitrust scrutiny and even the ire of mm. uh, Google and Facebook and even Apple to some extent yeah. because they're boring. And they're none just of these perfectly ha- well, boring. 
Hey, there it is. Oh, oh thanks, look at that. Oh, I like the box. Maybe I'll do an Atlantic story. Just to get you the should do an Atlantic piece. You know what? It feels really good. <laughs> just I, really, I, listen, I don't want to talk out of school here, but let's just say like uh, the editorial page of the New York Times likes my opinions from time to time. You saw I did like that Q&A with Kara Swisher and, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. kind of were like, maybe Jay Cowell should be on the editorial page. I'm I mean, like, listen, they're the Amazon of media right now. They will eventually acquire us all. So like, just lean in. <laughs> not this, not in. this spot. Not a Resistance trend. is futile. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think the other thing here is, do they have a market dominant position in any of these? They don't versus AWS, right. Amazon's cloud. They don't versus video games writ large, right? We talked mm-hmm. about that. We pulled up all the top video games. But like They're, neither does Apple with phones and they still keep getting, right? It's like they've got the store. It's true, and then it's, yeah. and So under this, under this sort of new scrutiny of antitrust, which yeah. includes uh, acquisitions of which Microsoft has made many that potentially reduce competition, uh, when it includes gatekeeping of which Microsoft is certainly still guilty, right? They're still pushing Are bundles. They? Oh, without um, a doubt. They're still pushing bundle, bundles big time yeah, on enterprise customers. Yeah, but you're not forced to. So it's not like when you load Windows, you can't use a Chrome browser, and it's not like you can't use Google Docs, yeah, and they don't have the good. majority of the operating system. So it's almost like they have a plan to not dominate mm-hmm. in any one category, but to be the number one, two, or three player in all categories. Right. It, um, it's a really interesting strategy. It's like duopoly, right? Or maybe three, Tri- maybe top three. And it's smart. Thropoly? Thropoly is pretty thropoly? good, right? We I go know, with I was thropoly? like, what do we call that? There are thropoly. I just came up so with there it. There might as well thropoly. be thropolies. So yeah, a three-part monopoly. I think that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is the, the total like quiet dominance strategy. And if it is in fact a strategy, it's working gangbusters as this quarter shows. Well, and the product has gotten better. They were known for making janky products, like, you know, like it would take them four or five versions to make something refined. They did something well with UX, uh, user experience, where things have gotten easier and better to use, like the Xbox or Outlook or 365. I was at a meeting with some Seattle company and they were using their version of Zoom or Hangouts. I forgot the name of it. Teams, maybe. I forgot the name of their video. Have you been on their video product? Are you talking about the Microsoft product? Yeah. yeah. Teams. Yeah. No, Is it Teams? teams? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like funky fresh. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got a different size panel and you're moving around and it's like that little panel vibe they have in their UX. I, I was okay with it. Worked reasonably like well. Fine. The micro, the Amazon one is reportedly terrible. I've only been on it once and it was not great. Chime. Wait, there's an Amazon one? Oh, yeah. Amazon does not let you use tools from other people. So they have their mm. own version oh, of like internal. Google Docs internal. But when you have a meeting with Amazon people, oh. you have to use Chime. Because they don't want competitors knowing who's on their calls. Yeah. No in competitors the in the room. I mean, it's so Bezos, right? Smart like not even in the room. What The other thing I before like we it. move on that I want to say that I think is so interesting about Microsoft, or maybe you don't want to move on, but, you know, oh, just in case, um, is... That what this also does is just put the nail in the coffin of all of the pundits, probably myself included, who said that once Microsoft failed at mobile, they were like done as a company. They like should Microsoft circle back is, around on mobile. Should they? Why bother? Um, I guess that if you look at the surface, it's very popular, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they could never get an app store going. But I... Didn't they make a Surface phone at some point? I wonder if like a hard, or they made an Xbox phone. I know they were talking about that. I just yeah. wonder if they 
had an if they came back around and had phones, if they would do well or not. I don't it's know. interesting because well, they, they have seventy have... they have seventy five billion in profit this year. I mean, or yeah. will hit something like that. I mean, what do you do with all that money? I guess One you of buy. The says they are trying with an Android version. See, that's the dilemma is yes. that you pretty much have to use Android. Like mm-hmm. you can't. There's such a duopoly now in operating systems. You're not going to. You cannot be a new yes. mobile OS. So they're saying they're trying uh, with uh, Windows is trying with Android, which we'll see. Stock, by the way, up about five percent as of one thirty p.m. Eastern on yep. Wednesday. Market cap two point two seven trillion dollars. Amazing, and then. Apple's at 2.7 or something, or are they at 3 trillion? So, I mean, right right behind them. Uh, yeah. It's pretty impressive, I have to say. Uh, it'd be great to have Satya on the program to talk about startups. We should have we him should, on. We should have him on. Come on the pod. He's so nice. Uh, I think it'd be a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. I saw an interview with him where he was talking about uh, one of his kids is got special needs, and it was quite um, impactful. I will tell you, having talked to Satya once for sure, maybe he's not like twice, I think. Not the most dynamic interview. Uh, You didn't hear that from me because we definitely want him on the show. We would love to have him on the show. What you're saying is he kind of just, he's he's, he's, uh, plain spoken. He's doing, uh, he's not even that plain spoken, no. He's pretty like businessy. Like he's just, he's a very CEO interview. And I think it sort of fits with this like, Again, whether it's strategy or, or personality, he's not a bragger. He's not that brash. He doesn't like make mm. headlines when you talk to him. He's like, he's a careful, deliberate, almost like purposefully boring. Yeah, there are people who are like an executor. Op- yeah. yeah, there are operators like that. I mean, Cheryl Sandberg is the same way, right? She's just a consummate operator and they just talk about operating the business as best they can. And totally. that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations to the Microsoft people. You're making great products and uh, and you're printing money. So congrats. And also really good at acquisitions. I have to say the LinkedIn acquisition was smart. Yeah. You know? Well, and people make fun of them, right? They're like, you're buying Minecraft. Duh. Dumb. You're buying LinkedIn. Yeah. Boring. And Satya is just like, heads down. Mm. Let me roll right over you while you talk about how boring I am. I think that we could do a draft. Genius. They also got GitHub. GitHub. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here's a um, here's an interesting draft. We take the top like five companies and what they bought. We put them all into a bucket. And then we draft like three of us, you know, me, you, and like some other guests. We draft which of those acquisitions we would want to have to start a new company. So it's almost like if we added, mm. you know, three expansion teams to the NBA, and then the, those teams got to draft players from the other teams, right? So you'd be mm-hmm. like, I'll take Giannis. I'll build my team around Steph. I'm going for the future. I'm going to get this person, right? It's kind of like a fun thing to do. Who I would like you build it. your team around? Right. You're like, you know, I think I'm going YouTube, maybe. You know, I like the YouTube as an anchor, right? It's just an absolutely crushing, uh, yeah. Okay, I like this. Uh-huh. I might. I don't want to tip my draft. cards. An acquisition draft would be kind of interesting. Startups need a central hub to store information and collaborate on work more than ever. That's why right now I'm reading this ad read in my Notion page where I have This Week in Startups, all the guest notes, all of the previous episodes, all the ad reads, everything is centralized in Notion, as is my entire life at inside.com and my entire life investing in companies. That's why you need to try Notion, especially in this new remote world. It's one place for notes, docs, projects and everyday work. It goes well beyond a wiki. 
And when we went fully remote in March of 2020, Notion became our internal knowledge bank. Here is one of my producers going through our pod notes page on Notion, where we highlight the top lessons from past episodes. And we're going to ramp up our pod notes in 2022. So you can look at any episode of This Week in Startups and see all the lessons you can learn. Doing this in Notion is so easy and they keep releasing new features. It's such a beautiful product. Every team from engineering to sales can work together seamlessly. And they have 500 integrated apps, including Google and Slack. You collaborate in real time and it tailors all the workflows to your needs. Hundreds of thousands of teams worldwide are already delighting their employees with Notion. But it's so great to have a right first culture. And then everybody feels like things are less chaotic because you're writing important stuff down and not losing all those great ideas or your checklists, etc. They have a worldwide community of millions of people creating templates and tutorials. Now you're going to find incredible templates for everything you're doing, whether it's a podcast or investing uh, or building a product. The product is constantly improving. I can't say enough about Notion. I really love the product. Go to Notion.so and use the promo code TWIST to get $250 off their annual team plan. It's super affordable. Once again, Notion.so and use that promo code TWIST, T-W-I-S-T, so you get that $250 during checkout. Great job, Notion. Love the product, sincerely. The story that's not dying. (laughs) So you ate your vegetables, everybody. We got you through earnings, and we're going to go through all the earnings. And so here we go. Uh, Yesterday, there was a bunch of back and forth. Where the CEO, uh, Ryan Breslau, uh, who was on this pod, who had the four-day work week at his company, he's the CEO of Bolt. He was saying how uh, Stripe is a mafia, Y Combinator, plus Sequoia, plus all Andreessen Horowitz. We covered it on yesterday's show. You can go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the, the long and short of it was Y Combinator, the VC community, Hacker News are in some grand conspiracy to block his company, Bolt, from getting funding and getting into YC and trending on Y Combinator. As I said yesterday, Y Combinator's um, Hacker News is at the domain name news.ycombinator.com. It is the alumni of Hacker News talking about technology it is not an independent news source of course they're going to vote for their home team whether it's airbnb github or stripe so there's no conspiracy there and there is a bit of a conspiracy well it's um, not a secret conspiracy right <laughs> it's just like yeah it's, it's just how business works it's just it's how a community works i mean if you right. go to a community of taylor swift fans and you try to convince them that katie perry is a better singer it's not going to work you yeah, know like perfect perfect analogy yeah you know like lady gaga's stands are not going to you know embrace you know, katie perry anyway yep. putting that aside and it feels like that level of drama here <laughs> it does actually <laughs> going and collecting all the great investors is a known blocking strategy that Basically, everybody does. When people buy your shares, then their opinion and who they voted for is that team. It's like buying season tickets, right? You're going to, if you bought season tickets to the Warriors, you're a Warriors fan. If you bought it for the Lakers, you're a Lakers fan. You're going to root for that team. You're not rooting for another team. So, although I have sympathy for the Bolt CEO and how it feels to be on the other side of this kind of competitor with this kind of execution, I, I don't think it's a grand conspiracy. Right. That being said. Yeah. He got a little beat up and it seemed excessive. It was a little weird to see the VC community, which is supposed to be above the fray. This is what I was taught coming into it. 
mm. you know, um, is that if you're a VC, have a little decorum. Yeah. And you don't pile on founders. It's just like, right. I don't know, classless power dynamic thing, right? Like you don't, Correct. especially if you have privilege or in the position of privilege information, potentially it doesn't. Yeah. Yes. And this was when a Sequoia partner, which obviously I'm associated with Sequoia, Sean McGuire tweeted the following in response to Ryan's thread. I can't sit huddly by while this steaming pile of chocolate ice cream emoji goes viral. I like Ryan and have known him for years. That said, almost everything that's supposed to wrong. Most importantly, the real reason why he struggled to raise is because his metrics haven't been good enough. Every round had metrics that were two rounds behind their competitors at the same time. And so Ooh. this is the problem. This uh -huh. was a classless low blow from Sean. And I told him that publicly. Yeah. Jason replied with the following, this is not cool, Sean McGuire, even if you disagree with Ryan's thread, and it's easy to disagree, and I did on the podcast, as a top VC, you shouldn't take shots at this company or share their metrics. It's just not a classy move. Sean replied, so I'm supposed to let someone outright lie and tarnish good people's name for their own motives? Makes sense. Sorry, not how I roll. I call nonsense when I see it, which is kind of like what I do. <laughs> which i so i appreciate that you're a full brawler um also i didn't say his metrics i told the truthful reason why firms have passed on the company i looked at two rounds when i was at gv so wait a second i didn't share his metrics but i did like i mean not sharing specifics is that's a distinction okay, he didn't give the chart but he exactly basically right. gave you he basically said why this company is not raising money at the pace it wants to mm -hmm. which is like Somebody confides in you and they're like, listen, you know, it'd be like you're confiding with an attorney or, a you know, uh, like a divorce attorney, an attorney, uh, a therapist, your doctor, yeah. and then they go and tweet it. Like, no, Sean, that's not how this works. You don't get to use the data you got in an investment meeting at GV mm -hmm. under, you know, the the rules of investing, which is you, you know, uh, consider that information uh sacrosanct right it was told to you in in this trusted space yeah wow and then you got really mad i see uh vc code is clear you don't weaponize this is i'm quoting jason but i'm not yes. going to do an impression because i'm not no, an do idiot it. <laughs> you don't you don't have VC your code impression. is clear i would if i could do like just enough of a brooklyn accent i would love to yeah exactly you don't weaponize inside information to attack a founder or startup how dare you dude seriously it's hard enough to be a founder. You don't need a top VC attacking you like this with confidential information. <gasps> yeah, and that was the end of the conversation. And then he yeah. slid into my, we, we, we talked in DMs. I think I slid into his DM and I was like, dude, seriously, mm. you know, uh, not cool. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I'm just like, shut up is what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Shut up and be a high profile <laughs> VC with power dynamics and you get to write the check. So just shut up. The other you thing know, I just want to... Or you could just say you disagree with it, like I did, you know, yeah, and you could talk totally. about it without taking the inside information you got as a VC and using it and weaponizing it against a founder. Because now, founders are going to go, look, VCs like Shane, Sean, share their, share our confidential information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. I mean, honestly, I gotta, I gotta agree blow. with you there. I think that's not... Well, also... Let's be real. I don't think that metrics, even assuming that this is the case and we should not know this, right? Which is like, oh, your metrics came in under your competition. 
it seems to me as a relative newcomer here that metrics, it's not like everybody here is a quant investor. Metrics are not always the only decision making factor, right? Like they matter, but it is quite clear that there are times when the founder matters, the addressable market matters, the growth potential matters even more than like hitting your numbers week after week after week. So yeah. I feel like not only is this an overshare, it might be a little bit disingenuous about the the true reasons why people don't always get funded. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, then Gary Tan, uh, who's like super nice guy, worked at Y Combinator and worked on Hacker News and was in like the second or third class with Posteris, which is a very cool startup that I used to love to use. Um, you know, great entrepreneur, great investor. He's saying like, listen, the, the whole thing's just fiction. Hacker News doesn't like vote down competitors. It doesn't need to. The community will just do that automatically. Like we mm-hmm. talked about this. It's the home team. Like <laughs> you're if you're on the Taylor Swift, you know, subreddit, you're not going to have Lady you're not Gaga. Voting the Katie song. Yeah. Right. The Katie and the Lady Gaga are not making it to the number one slot. Um, and so, you know, I sort of agree with that. But then Mark Andreessen, of course, you know, who was classless, uh, decides he's going to dunk on the founder uh as an investor in the company. And then he did that meme of the superhero like Superman having two choices to pick from work Fridays, blame stripe. And I just thought that was classless, but then I sort of tweeted like, well, but of course it's, um, it's Mark Andreessen. So that's kind of what he does. Anyway, he's just not, Mark's not over me turning him down or Andreessen Calacanis Horowitz. It was originally going to be ACZ. <laughs> they wouldn't do ACZ. Uh, I said, <laughs> if it's not ACZ, then I'm not in, I'm out. And it's just alphabetical like, guys. Well, and it was like Horowitz was like, no, it's A16Z. You can be a partner. You can get great economics, but we're not putting you in the name of the firm. And I was like, well, I'm out. So no, and they just never got over that. So what can I say? Uh, now you're blocked. Now I'm blocked That's because I wouldn't right. join the firm. Maybe it's true. <laughs> Maybe it's not. We'll Maybe never they know. To me. We'll, we'll never, never know. know because Jason follows VC code and doesn't share. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of me sharing that I was the original co-host of Pivot that and Chaboth and... Jim Bankoff couldn't get me or Tremoth, and so they went with like the B team, you know, Prof G. I don't talk see. about like it, I don't talk about parts I didn't get. You know how like actors, you know how like actors are reticent to talk about the parts they passed on because then the other person took the part and did a good job, and they don't want people to, you know, yeah, you don't want to take away from the other person's performance. I, that's how I feel about it, you know, in this sort of thing. Hmm. All right, listen, when you're a founder, it's totally fun to trade war stories with other founders. And recently, Balloon CEO Amanda Greenberg, one of my awesome portfolio companies, told me how Vanta's SOC 2 solution helped her save an important deal in the final hours. I kid you not. Well, Balloon, they sell SaaS productivity and collaboration software. That's why I'm invested in it. And they needed 10 documents in place within 48 hours in order to close a deal. Well, Vanta saved the day by supplying customizable templates and helping them through the process to close. So if you don't have your SOC 2 tight, you know you're not going to be able to close those major customers. That's why Vanta's compliance software makes it so easy to get and renew your SOC 2. They continually test against technical and non-technical SOC 2 requirements, and they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And guess what? Vanta's going to give you $1,000 off your SOC 2 just because you listen to This Week in Startups. So here's how you get the $1,000 off. You go to Vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com slash T-W-I-S-T. 
That's vanta.com slash twist for a thousand dollars off. Thanks, Vanta. Anyway, yes. So the pylon, then Jason chimed in on the VC pylon. I will say like the meme, the production team rightly points out that this did upgrade the meme team a little bit. Mark yes. Anderson's like that was it was actually He's all deep in the aside, meme game. somewhat funny. Um, the Jason then chimed in on the VC pylon. VCs are proving the bolt founder correct by ganging up on him right on uh, right now on Twitter. Just classless. And then it, you today tweeted about the best. Well, no, I, I just want to make a point on that. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's saying that like all these VCs ganged up on me and there's this conspiracy. Right. And then what did the VCs do? They confirm his own paranoia by mocking him and attacking him relentlessly with their huge followings. Yeah. Like it's just better to shut up, you know, yep. and just collect your money. Stripe's a hundred billion dollar company, $200 billion company. You own 5% of it. Like enjoy your five or $10 billion. Like you don't need to go dunk on the other founder. It's just. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and then the and then went on, you went on to say, like, look, if you want to Bolt can beat Stripe, here's how. So yeah. useful information. Sure. As opposed to just like yelling at folks. Patrick However, might not be happy. <laughs> then it got hilarious. Like it really did. There were some funny tweets, I will say. If we're just gonna yes. engage in the kind of like, let, the let, me, um, let me just unpack. If you really want to be competitive, Ryan, here's what you do. Aside from working Fridays, which is funny. Um, if Stripe makes their money from their API, right? Like, and from their transaction fees and like being the standard, mm-hmm. just make a product that goes up against that and is free, right? So you yeah. take wherever their margin is. Like, let's say they're making money because they, char- they get 1% of all transactions. Like, make it 25 basis points and just compete hard on that. In other words, destroy your competitor's margin. That's the move here. That's what I think is the move. Yeah. Are you listening? Do that. Which is what Internet Explorer did to Mark Andreessen's Netscape browser. I mean, I, you remember this, Molly. Like, it yeah. was like you would go to Comp USA and buy Netscape browser for 50 bucks. Yeah. It you, costs you bought money. your browser. It costs Long money. before Microsoft forced you to use it by bundling it with Windows, they mm. made it free. They made it free. Yeah. Which then really screwed at Mark Andreessen's business. Like that's totally. how you if you really want to fight the mafia, that's how you do it. That's like Elliot Ness, you know, you know, the Chicago way. You get them on tax evasion. Take the knees out. Basically. Take the, the knees way. out. Um All right, let's go, go to give us some of the funny memes. Let's go they through the funny memes. With the tweet. Let's have a dramatic reading of some <laughs> of the tweets. <laughs> Delian uh, on Twitter says, you know, it's actually crazy how much technologies change over time. Netflix mm. used to mail CDs. Now their production studio is streaming. Amazon used to sell books. Now they run the world's data centers. Stripe used to be a payments API. Now they're an Irish mob. That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I, he has his moments, Deli, and I give, I give him funny. credit. Has, funny. Ashley uh, Mayer said, uh, I once tried to compete with Stripe and woke up to find a severed unicorn head in my bed. <laughs> I love playing. Uh, love playing. Uh, pretty good. Uh, Teddy Blank, Stripe should put the Bolt guy's whole Twitter thread in their S1, which yeah. cold, yeah. so cold. Buy our stock. We are man? hardcore. We are hardcore. Logan, Logan, who's pretty good at the Twitter, Bartlett, uh, said, I seriously wish Logan Valley was this badass. That's pretty funny, actually. That's good. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then Eric Newcomer, who is friend so, of the pod. friend of the pod, so great. I was terrified for my life to say anything about this before now, but Stripe has been forcibly taking a cut of my revenue since I started ah! my newsletter. <laughs> 
He's in the protection racket for journalists. He's in the protection racket. That's how his stripe is taking 75 basis points of his money every month for protection. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, I mean, they were excellent. Uh, Jordan Scales, uh, Jay Dan on the Twitter, updated his LinkedIn. He's a software engineer at Notion, uh, which is a great, great uh, product that we love and use. And he was a senior software engineer at Stripe from November 2017 to August of 2020. Uh, and he put in his job capsule there, I was responsible for going on Hacker News and downvoting our competitors. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, good. a hilarious tweet that you kind of have to see to really appreciate from YC founder Robert J. Salvador, which is a picture of all of them and uh, a, a Photoshop of the Sopranos album cover, basically. The yeah. Stripanos. Stripanos. It doesn't Stripanos. roll off the tongue perfectly, but you got to see it to see like a bunch of nerds as <laughs> you know, like a mob family is kind of hilarious. It is a like, little bit hilarious. They're going to literally break your legs with their API. So their, you know, yeah. it was you know what? Sometimes it's a fun day on Twitter. This the is new pay they're the those. new PayPal mafia. Like it's PayPal and. Ooh, then you've yes. got this next generation, the Stripe Mafia. But congratulations to both of them for taking up the news cycle for two days in a row. Yeah, bravo. Mission accomplished. We're done now. And we're done. And scene. <laughs> and Mean, scene. as we talked about in the production meeting, mean time to meme. Mean time to meme. Mean time to, to mainstream meme. The mean time to mainstream meme here was less than 24 hours. I mean, we yeah. literally got to like the afternoon of the accusations and we were already memeing it as opposed to like with Chamath on all in the other week. I took a full like 48 hours to get to meme mean time to mainstream memes. I think that the stakes were a little higher on that one. Maybe. So there had to be some like legit, extremely upset, you know, and you're like, wow, yeah, how you have to do be outraged. kind of a joke about, well, also you'd have to try to figure out like, do I want to make a joke about this sort of ongoing genocide right. situation? Like, yeah, kind of hard to decide. It's trickier. This one was it. easy. I mean, that one about the tech companies, how Stripe had, you know, m yeah. morphed into the Irish mob. That one was out uh, minutes later, really. All right. We got to talk about my guy, Neil Young. I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Yeah. I know Neil. Uh, not like besties or anything like that, but I've hung out hmm. with Neil. Cool cat. And uh, he told Spotify to remove his music over Joe Rogan's vaccine misinformation. And this feels to me like a pandemic peak moment. Like, this might yeah. be the sign the pandemic's over, but why don't you walk us through this? What? Interesting. That is an interesting direction for you to go with this. Uh, yeah. According to NBC News, because the letter has since been taken down, Neil Young mm. posted this letter on his website called A Message to Spotify, saying he wanted his managers and his record label to let Spotify mm. know that he wanted his music off mm. of their platform. Rolling Stone said it's because, quote, according to Neil, Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. He made it very clear that he was referring to Joe Rogan's podcast. Now, of course, this mm. comes on the heels of a bunch of medical professionals, I think over 100, right, doctors, basically writing to Spotify. A, hundred, a few hundred healthcare professionals signed a letter to Spotify saying that Spotify needed to have a misinformation policy in mm. place because, as they claim... Uh, Joe Rogan had Dr. Robert Malone on his show who promoted false COVID claims and theories. And this is, of course, in addition to Rogan himself, like getting COVID and saying, you know, I, I took the horse paste. Um, well, just, I mean, ivermectin is also used for humans. So they argue like taking the horse. If you if you claim it's for just for horses, you're kind of also misidentifying it. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. I like that my burden of truth here is yeah. higher than saying <laughs> that it's okay to take a medicine that is sometimes used for horses and sometimes used for humans, but never yeah. used for COVID. Yeah. But it's still, I should, you're right. I should be more specific while they well, I just mean, I, make it, things up I, and I, kill people. I mean, I I'm, bring not, it up I'm not, be, I'm not dunking on you, but it's, that is yeah. totally what the internet would do, right? They'd be like, um, actually, ivermectin is used in humans all the time. You are spreading yes. disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, how it they is, roll. That's exactly how they I roll. I mean, in fairness, like, I, I don't think anybody really understood exactly how to deal with a once in our lifetime pandemic because it's once in our lifetime. Like, none of us are experts. And this one morphed like five times. Like, it is a hard, it is a hard topic to try to figure out, right? We've all had a hard time figuring out, like, what risk we're willing to take over time. Right? Yes, definitely. And I yeah. think that if you have a once in a lifetime pandemic, two things are happening. One, you're absolutely right, right? Like a lot of the freak out that everybody's having is misdirected rage at the fact that the pandemic exists at all. Like we don't want it right. to exist. We don't want it to be a, a reality that even if you don't think schools should be closed, the fact is some schools are going to close because they don't have enough warm bodies to keep school open right now, right? Like right. we don't want that to be true. And so we are lashing out at the people who are trying and, to muddle their way through this the best they can. And do mess work. And like, also, right, right. Like, maybe they, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is like, there was no downside to wearing a mask. And then with Omicron, like, maybe it's pointless to wear a mask. Like, both of those things could be true. Both of those things could be true. And so, even though it's true that we are upset about this pandemic and we are all having a hard time working our way through it, and the longer it goes, the more society is really, like, fraying. Like, it starts to feel like society's yeah. coming apart a little bit at the seams. Yeah. And also... Some awesome. stuff is objectively untrue yes, and is being promoted heavily by people with really big platforms. That is the issue with Joe Rogan. Um, mm -hmm. I look at Joe Rogan and I'm like, okay, I remember Howard Stern from my youth when I was growing up in New York. And we talked about this on our private chat. He was incredibly controversial. He was a good interviewer. He was compelling to listen to. The government tried to censor him. And um, all that did was draw more attention to him as being an authentic person. And people who hated him or liked him would listen to him more because at least they felt like the guy couldn't be censored and he was authentic. Joe Rogan is a huge Howard Stern fan, studied him, mm -hmm. and then, I don't want to say copied it, but I think he evolved it into the podcast format and became the number one podcaster in the world, right? Right. When I look at it, I look at it, Joe Rogan's a comedian. He'll have anybody on the show who's entertaining. That is his benchmark. Is, is the person entertaining? Not is the person correct. And they want to talk for three hours. He stole that long form thing because when people talk for two or three hours, yes, they sometimes people stuff, will say right. things that they wouldn't have said in a 20 minute, you know, controlled environment. And sometimes hour two or three can be really compelling. Mm -hmm. But this is the guy who's a comedian, MMA fighter commentator. Who hosted a show where people drank shakes of blended, disgusting worms, right? Or cow, or you know, like bull testicles or whatever. Like he's the host of Fear Factor. Yeah. Like, are, why that, are we? 
all that is like, well, why are we talking about him? Is because like Spotify spent a hundred million dollars to acquire yeah. his content and make it exclusive. And now Spotify is in the position of essentially having become a publisher, right? Because they've acquired sure. this content and they're putting it out on their platform. Yep. And there are legitimately questions now about how they're going to deal with content that that may stray into this territory of like dangerous. And and I think what is particularly interesting is that everything is content. You know how, you know, my theory on this, everything is content. And once it becomes content, it becomes moderation. There's always going to be pressure to moderate. I especially think this is interesting in the context of Neil Young, who the Nodi gang is pointing out had polio Mm -hmm. as a child saying like attempting to apply this kind of like business based peer pressure. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on this platform if this is going to be a platform that spends all of this money to acquire content that is potentially dangerous to its listeners. That, I think, is very interesting. And that happened with Howard Stern. Like, Howard Stern was on... Who, by the way, spoke out against Joe Rogan. Like, he's, like, a pretty hardcore anti-vaxxer. Like, he would not be appreciative of this comparison (laughs) well actually i i mean people make it all the time with him and he does not appreciate it i think um Mm. but you know howard also had that problem where people were threatening to leave cbs radio or you know because it was some big conglomerate that mel karmazin was running and yes it created blowback in other places and they also had on the radio uh that woman who was um a homophobe i forgot her name I don't want to say the wrong name because, but she was like one of those talk radio hosts who felt like gay people were going to go to hell kind of thing. And it was like, they had her on the platform too. Mm. And so with Joe Rogan, I look at it and go like, like he's interviewing somebody, but that doesn't mean he's endorsing them. And he's <laughs> like, uh, he's like a self. Well, no, but he has everybody on the program. I and then would, it's like, does he have he's a comedian. everybody on the program? Everybody. I, he, like you just had Jordan had, Peterson on. There's a whole like thing on Twitter about the stupid seven year old crap that they, I like. He does. I, I mean, he has Alex Jones on who right. he is trending. And there, you know, there was like a, a whole back and forth with Eric Swalwell, I think uh, yes. somebody who had sent him a death threat in his DMs. And he was like, Joe Rogan show is one of the places where I started to become radicalized. Right. Like there's a drift because this is America right now. Everybody's mm-hmm. picking a side. And I think it is unquestionable that Joe Rogan is picking a side. I look at it and I'm just like, the guy's a comedian. He has a bunch of wacky people on. It's like, and he literally stole that whack pack concept, I think from Howard, which is Howard would have all these weird people on. And I think he has like his own whack pack, which is like Alex Jones yeah. and previously Milo Yiannopoulos and some of these, you know, whoever folks, I, I just don't, who's taking it so seriously and getting their medical advice seriously? from it. Really? I don't, you really don't I, think that influencing is a thing. I didn't get my, I did not literally get my, you know, health information from Howard Stern or Joe Rogan, you well, know, you or did, any other but that comedian. that does not end, the, that doesn't mean that other people aren't. People are. So what are we going to do? Like, in a vacuum cancel of trust, Joe Rogan? I mean, uh, maybe we should just be honest about Joe Rogan. Like, Joe Rogan is at times peddling misinformation that is dangerous to people. And then this becomes a business question, like separate again from the content. Yeah. This is a business question for Spotify. Spotify. And are they to platforming what extent misinformation? Is it going to continue to be? Are they platforming misinformation? Right. Is it potentially dangerous? Do they want to be associated with that going forward after they have set up basically their new model of mm. we're going to spend a crap ton to acquire content 
this is the kind of well, thing what would you do happen. if you were spotify let me ask that what what do you think spotify should do should they get rid oh of joe God. rogan should they just, never have signed him i, I mean I, I don't know i'm not in that position and i'm glad i'm not yeah like i mean i'm I really glad i'm not i think that i have it is a really a, easy solution they should just go hire five scientists to start the all-in of you know science and promote it you know side by side with joe rogan and then those empower those people to take apart the claims on joe rogan and that yeah. would be an incredible podcast. Imagine a podcast where they literally just fact check Joe Rogan every day <laughs> <laughs> and like had a, like a after Joe Rogan, you know, kind of podcast, like literally that mu somebody must be doing that right now. So if two or three intelligent people got together and said, after Joe Rogan talks about science, we're going to actually fact check. And they, because somebody was doing that at all in, I forgot who this account was, Yeah, but they would fact check of... us. There's a lot and of disinformation researchers, though, who say that that doesn't fact checking doesn't really work. It just like repeats the claims. Joe Rogan is always going to have a bigger audience than somebody who's like, I don't like Joe Rogan. I mean, there are already people in the chat who were like, if Molly doesn't like Joe Rogan, then she's dead to me. Right. Like, that's oh, it's it. not going to work. Like, nobody's going to be like, hmm, I heard a lot of compelling things in the three hours that I listened to this Joe Rogan show. Now I would like to spend some more time seeing if those things are true. Like, you believe him like people. You know perfectly well that when people are fans, they yes. believe you. They believe you. Sure. Maybe Absolutely. Spotify. Yeah. Honestly, I guess what I would do is just put a label on it. Like this isn't this is con like they do on uh, editorials on TV or something like this. Or this when is not endorsed on. by Spotify. Right. This is a, our or I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. If they said this, this show has disputed claims. Here are so, here are those disputed podcasts and right. link to them. Like that's kind of what Facebook Joe Rogan, is trying to do. Walk the yeah, line. I don't think Joe Rogan would have a problem with that. I think he would want to actually hear where he's wrong. Yeah. I think actually he would. I think and, he would have. I think everybody is now radicalizing in opposition to each other. And there, there's a personality type that the more opposition they encounter, the more they entrench. And that is the, that as this sort of like, as the bookings go on, that seems to be a trend. I'm, I don't know that for a fact, right? But what I think you do see is people being like, in response to the reaction I am getting, I am digging in, or I am radicalizing further. I mean, that's how radicalization works. You don't just do it in a vacuum. You do it in opposition to some other force. Apparently, I'm just getting a note here from the producers, the number 23 podcast on um, Spotify is called Joe Rogan Universe. And uh, it's by somebody named Adam Thorne, who is talking about Joe Rogan. So there it is. They're saying <laughs> Joe meta Rogan thing. Experience Review. His show is called Experience, I think. Uh, I report, review, and analyze. See, now that's smart. Like, okay, use the halo effect. Yeah. It also I mean, isn't, it doesn't say it's like a, it helps us get the most out of Joe's world-class show. So I think this is a fan pod, not a fact check pod. Right. But I would be very interested to see. If I mean, somebody honestly, wants to have a top 100 po try it. podcast, just fact check Joe Rogan every day. I guarantee yeah. you'll be in the top 200. Uh, Call Her Daddy uh, is like a very sexually explicit one. And I think they have a disclaimer on that because it's sexually explicit. So I think like I don't mind I the, the disclaimer thing labeling really stuff work. is. Yeah, that seems to be the best solution. And honestly, if people, you know, inside of if the people inside of Spotify cannot handle they were like part of the music thing, but they can't handle the podcasting thing. They just quit. Like, just leave the company. Like, they're not changing, you know, after spending a half billion dollars on Gimlet, Ringer, Call Her Daddy, Joe Rogan, etc. Like, yeah. they're not, they've decided to produce content. 
Yep. The end. Like, and now, you're, and now, and this is just why I think this is so interesting as a matter of business. And now there's a who's sorry now. Like content is a mess. It is a messy business. And, do and somebody's not always into- yelling at you. It's like being the president. It's the worst job in the world. <laughs> um, Bob Iger had the green light to buy Twitter and to buy BuzzFeed. And he bought neither. Yeah. Uh, he bought Star Wars. He bought Pixar. He bought Marvel because he said, you know what? These things are contained. He literally was going to buy Twitter. Can you imagine if Disney owned Twitter right now? God, no. The they insanity. Would, they would be like, oh, my God. It'd be like the anti-brand. Mickey Mouse supports Nazis. And they would like screenshot like a Mickey Mouse Nazi tweet on Twitter and be like, how dare you publish this? It's like, it's an open platform. Yep. I mean, that's the other thing is like ha- podcasting is an open platform standard. It's like saying web browser. When you well, say podcasting. It was until Spotify acquired it and made it exclusive. That's the they, part yes. where you become a publisher. So yes, they made some of them exclusive, but you can still add any URL of an RSS feed to Spotify, Apple, et cetera. So th- I saw this bigger thing, which was like, we need to, you know, censor and we need to, you know, these platforms need to stop allowing these podcasts. And it was like, they're not selecting them. The podcast is just a dumb player. You can put any URL in. The people just don't fundamentally understand how that works because there's like three things going on. You have buying content. You have featuring, editorializing, like here's some great content we're surfacing for you in curation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, this is a web browser. You, ma'am, you can put whatever sort of. you want into it. Like you can <laughs> ma'am, put- Ma'am, this is well, the Wendy's. <laughs> ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Sir, you're in a Starbucks. Still, <laughs> there is an approval process, I think though, for no. podcast. Like on Apple Podcasts, you have to submit it to be in the directory. To be in the directory, exactly. But you can, you can still put in any URL you that want. Can happen. You can do that, hundred yes. percent. Three things but, happening. There's we we paid for this content and produced it, and we own it. Right. We curated it, and we say, "Hey, this is a cool one. You should check it out." So we're endorsing it, but we didn't pay to produce it. And then there's the third one, which is like it's you can just you can add whatever you want and open stuff like, up, and you can add whatever you want. Right. You literally could add a terrorist organization, Nazi organization podcast to Apple players. Mm-hmm. By the way, Microsoft, you can also open a Nazi website, white supremacist website in Internet Explorer or whatever they call their browser now. Edge? Where's the browser? Just call it Internet Explorer and stop changing the name of the browser. It's Also, stop I, trying to get me to use Edge. Bless you. I know we talked about the... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Would you like to switch your browser? Earlier. Just Would you like, like switch? No, if I wanted no. to switch my browser, I'd go into settings and switch it. Stop I really asking. Don't want to. I really don't Chrome. Want to. Hey, here's my thing. <laughs> ask once. I'll let you ask once. Apple, <laughs> Microsoft, Chrome, everybody. Ask me one time. Stop asking me to change my browser. Are you Producer sure? Justin says with Spotify, you cannot add any RSS. That's not true. And listen to it. I don't believe that's true because Patreon ha- makes custom feeds when you pay for something. Uh, Patreon custom RSS feed, Spotify. You're telling me if you pay for something, it will not work. If you pay for a Patreon custom feed, it's not going to work. I don't think so. I don't know. In Spotify, yes, they they recently did a partnership or Anchor introduced the feature that you can get access yeah. to uh, paid feeds. Yeah through their mechanism, but you can't, I can't just tick copy paste my anchor uh, RSS or I, my Patreon RSS feed and drop that in Spotify. Uh, as far as I know, uh, add an RSS feed to Spotify. 
Mm-hmm. Log into podcasters or Spotify, click on your show, settings update. Well, that's if you're the show that's producer. That's your show. Yeah. That's your show. Right. That's to submit. How and do get I it manually? Hmm. Yeah. I don't Is know that true? Uh, Notes. Let us know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, you maybe you're right. Does Spotify really not support? I'm on a I'm on a Reddit thread. Does Spotify really not support this? No, they're lacking many of the best functions of other podcasts. It really is ridiculous. Because it's not really a podcatcher or even a browser. It is a, mm. it, Spotify is a content aggregator. Like, again, yeah. this is why I think this is so interesting as a business question. They're a content aggregator, yeah. not a browser, and not even like a search, right? Especially in more and more and more as they start to acquire stuff and make it exclusive. And that's why, like, mm. I almost wonder if that wasn't. And frankly, there's been a lot of reporting that says it's not even the best thing for the people who got these deals. Like their traffic is dropping because it's exclusive. Like I just. Well, I that's wonder... why we didn't. That's why we didn't do it with all in. I, I won't say which platforms courted us, but we were courted early on when people sort of jump into the top, you know, yes. 100 or 200 pods. They were like, hey, and this week in startups, we've had people, you know, make overtures and stuff like that. And I was like, listen. We want to be indie. <laughs> There's a reason we're indie. We do not want to limit where people see it. And, you know, and then every platform is like, hey, will you do it? And I was like, there's really two things I want to work on. YouTube and RSS feeds. Yeah. Anything that's not those two, I think, you know, is, you know, very secondary. Like you can explore marketing on Twitter and TikTok, but like, no, I don't want to build your platform. No, I want open standards. Yeah. Totally. Me too. And when you don't, and you know, for years and years and years, this question of publisher versus platform has been plaguing these platforms. And the closer they get to publisher, the more they find themselves in these. Uh, This is the problem I've had with Spotify. And I've talked to Daniel about it over and over again. Most recently, when we were now part of their video um, project, uh, and they're like, you have to use Anchor. And I was like, I don't want to use Anchor. We have an RSS feed already for video. Just take that. And they're like, you have to use Anchor. I was like, no, I don't want to use Anchor. You're, and I just, I emailed Daniel and the Anchor CEO. And I was like, why are you breaking podcasting standards? This is why people hate Spotify. You keep breaking the standards. And they're like, no, no, we're going to do it. It's just now, just for the beta. And I was like, really? Is it just for the beta? Or because I'm calling you out on breaking podcasting standards, you know, are are you telling me you're going to do it? So I like, I think I'm having a little influence on Daniel by constantly telling him like, listen, Daniel, you're hated by the podcasting community for a reason. Mm-hmm. You keep breaking podcasting standards. The fact that they don't allow you to add a URL to Spotify is ridiculous. Clip this, send it to the anchor CEO, send it to Daniel. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. Let me, if Apple and Google and everybody else lets you add a Spotify, a, a, your own custom RSS feed, then just do it, Spotify. Stop trying to break podcasting. It's offensive. Like we yeah. built podcasting. You're benefiting from podcasting, but you want to break open standards like Anchor, CEO, Daniel C, Spotify CEO. Please stop with the breaking of the podcasting standards. If you want to court podcasters, then support the open standards. Explicitly. Enough. No, I just really get pissed off about it. Like we were here. Well, no, but we love it. I'm just like not saying a word because yeah, we were here first. We We were here first. first. We created that standard. We built the standard. We built this. Don't break it. It's not broke. Don't break it. 
And Apple walked the line for a long time. Like they created an ecosystem, but they did not break it. They they curated yes. it. They made a directory. They wouldn't yes. give anybody any metrics. Like they, for a long time, I mean, I say this all the time. In fact, I told my son the other day, he was like, somebody, somebody invented podcasting. I was like, no, no, no. I invented podcasting, right? Like <laughs> Adam, Adam and yep. Dave Weiner invented an enclosure. And yep. then in 2005, Tom Merritt yep. and I at CNET started what became the first com- commercially successful podcast. Yes. Full stop. Well, stop. stop. Yes. The, the yes. like model that we are doing right now was yes. me and Tom Merritt at CNET. And then Absolutely. advertisers were like, huh, um, mm. Apple seems to control this whole thing. And like, we can't get any metrics. They're like, um, on a website, I can tell when like a bird flies by. But yeah. on a podcast, I can only tell if you download it. And I don't know if you listen to it. I don't. And so the bottom fell out and everybody yeah. got out of podcasting for like yep. a decade. Yep. Until finally, like NPR came along and was like, well, we don't have to care that much about money. So we're going <laughs> to do yeah. this and reinvigorated this space. Except but the for truth me. is, <laughs> I was here the whole time, too. I just was here like, the whole time. Yeah. But what I just told everybody was like, listen, we're going to make an estimate. You don't get to tag the users. This is my big problem with Anchor. I was like, Anchor, I don't want to give you I don't want to have an anchor fee because I don't want you tagging and studying our users. Mm-hmm. I want people to have their privacy. And, you know, everybody is trying to then invade the podcast listeners privacy. And I, I don't like that. I don't want our users and listeners to be in some database. Totally. And uh, they assured me that they're not going to put our users in a database and sell ads against them or try Good. to. Because um, Apple, you know, the short version of that is Apple almost killed podcasting once by trying to strangle it in an ecosystem. Spotify is risking the same thing. And frankly, I yeah. think exclusive content is part of that it's I'm part okay of the so slow strangling i don't love it i i don't love it but i respect the rights of the content creator to do an exclusive if that's in their best interest and that's what they want yeah right like if if you're the ringer and the ringer says you know what i want my payday you know and bill simmons wants to get paid i'm happy for him if joe rogan wants to get paid caller daddy wants to get paid fine that's their choice and what i like about that molly is when those three people come out of the top rankings, mm-hmm. that moves the next group of people up. So, like, you, you can't whoever anybody. Okay. Yeah, I no, mean, but it's true though. That's my like Joe is, Rogan was number one on Apple, right? And now he's not. Right. So, does it ever benefit the creator? That's my question. It actually it goes does back if they to get the a big paycheck yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah but then you get a big big paycheck once, and yeah. then you fade over time, as opposed to potentially Correct. continuing to grow. Which is exactly to go full circle what Howard Stern did. Howard Stern was like they, the satellite radio people were like. Listen, you're. Re- I think Howard was reaching like 10 million people at the peak, maybe 20. It was like he was the most listened to. You remember yeah. his influence during that 90s period for some period oh, of yeah. time? Huge. You know, he was huge. Like Everything. he would have. He he would sell a million. He was like Oprah. Like Oprah and him could move a you know a million books if they had somebody on, or sell out a concert, or make it the number one movie of the weekend. And then they gave him like a quarter billion dollars to move over to Sirius. Sirius got two million paid subscribers, two million people paying 10 bucks a month is a quarter million dollars a year. They basically passed that money on to Howard. Sirius basically bought him into irrelevancy. Yeah. They took, he lost 90% of his audience and he got paid. Yeah. That's why I, I'm in it for the influence. I'm in right. it for as big of an audience as possible. So that's why I say no to all these deals. Yep, exactly. That's what I mean. I just don't, I think long-term it's better for the platform than it is for the creator. But I would like my TV show. I mean, Seriously, when are they going to put Jason Calacanis on TV? Like I had Let's a TV go. show. Let's freaking I mean, go. We lost all the show? weight. That's why all TV ever wants to I, lose I had a weight. reality show on NBC. We did a pilot and everything. It just...
my partner on it turned out to be a monster. And Ooh. yeah. Anyway, we don't talk about that <laughs> anymore. All right. Uh, Your day will so come. So much for that. A lot of tea. But yes. You know what the problem is? It's just too much work to work with the TV people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's just so much. You've had TV deals, I guess, right? Or like people talk to you, uh, like your come agents. And go. Yeah, exactly. And people, and you know, I was trying to, like, I had a half hour broadcast quality show on, on CNET that I was trying to get CBS to pick mm -hmm. up when I worked there. Like, oh, I shouldn't even, things I shouldn't say, but whatever, who cares? It was years and years and years yeah, and yeah. years ago. Like TV nightmare. It's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare. It's an they want to water everything down. They want to mm -hmm. break it. That's why I like the streamers. So like I have, I want to do, anyway, I'll talk to you about it off air. I'm with anyway. Sebastian here. Death to the intermediaries. I mean, that's exactly what these platforms are, right? I would, In I would mind. decade. Content creators and consumers, yeah. no middleman controlling the taps. There will always be some. That's basically what's happened. I mean, that's basically what's happened. I do, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind being on HBO Max or like yeah. a Netflix show. I wouldn't mind that. I have a great idea for a Netflix show that's basically like, like an HGTV show. style show where you decarbonize your house, but it's like a makeover, like decarbonizing makeover. Oh, that's a great idea. Right? Decarbonizing, yeah. Like sustainable, sustainable living with, uh, yeah, sustainable makeover. I'll it can be sexy. I'll talk, I'll talk to my agent. I don't have an agent anymore. I get called by all these people. Do you have an agent or not? You don't have an agent. Sort of, but I'm sort like in, I'm the, I'm in the hip pocket of an agency as opposed to like uh, a signed deal. Yeah. So I, I, they just come to me and pitch me on stuff once in a while. That was the time of the show when we overshare, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just so much easier to do your own thing. Is there anything else in the news that we need to talk about here? I don't think so. No. Come on. We ended on such a great rant. Great Jason rant. Yeah, I think it's a great Jason. We planted rant. our flag and in podcasting. I will say, just in the startup space, there's a company called Scratchpad. It's kind of like I'm told, superhuman for Salesforce. They just raised thirty three million dollars Series B. I've never seen uh, this, but uh, it was led by my bestie at Kraft. Um, and I don't know what the valuation was, but um, I think hmm. people know Salesforce as like a legacy kind of uh, app. You know, it's a uh, it's been around for a long time. Therefore, it may not have the freshest interface. And this new concept of superhuman and notion, these really clean interfaces. Um, so it's like, a, it's funny how you can build a business that's basically like an iteration on a big existing product that should be better and isn't. Yeah. And then your scratch pad and you raise $33 million. Startup of the week, by the way, is what's happening here. We need a sting for that too. We need some yeah, so anyway. I think it's very interesting. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who uses it. I haven't seen it, but I do think that you can make a new interface, a modern interface on top of an existing product really does um, create some magic. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, I don't, I don't have a category for this startup concept, but I like it. So what's a website, Molly, that has a ugly, disgusting, horrific interface that could look gorgeous and modern like notion and superhuman amazon that was the first one that came to mind for me is amazon really yeah i was just thinking if somebody Weird. made a Why is gorgeous amazon terrible all right this is a good idea okay so here's what i want this is a great idea i want Did some charles design say the same thing simultaneously I charles think we said all the same thing yes we're like all amazon right. wow so this is my rfs request for startup yes I'll give you a hundred grand in our accelerator. We'll work on this together. My request for startup is somebody builds a front end that is stunningly gorgeous for Amazon and maybe two other at scale um, platforms for shopping. Yep. And lets you build eBay, carts. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, so this interface could, imagine a gorgeous interface that looked beautiful on your desktop. And when you search for something, um, uh, ski equipment, right? Like uh, you're looking for a pair of ski goggles. All of a sudden, a gorgeous interface comes up with the ski goggles from Amazon and Walmart and whatever. Etsy. And you just, whatever. Etsy. Mm-hmm. And you, you, some sort of meta search engine. And then you can add it to your carts and you authenticate with, you know, all five platforms. And it could be like a browser extension that makes us gorgeous. And then you just get um, the affiliate fees from those places. Yeah. That would be a good enough business. And then roll in a decent freaking recommendation engine on top Mm. of that, because not only does Amazon have a truly terrible AI, but its recommendation Mm. engine still is Mm. astonishing. Amazon's recommendation is just scary. It's just. It's scary. I feel like they're like reading my. Wait, you think it's bad? Oh, I I always total garbage. I'm like, first of all, stop recommending me a product that I already bought. Second, if I search for a product and then I buy it and then I send it to like my mom in uh-huh. North Dakota, why are you still recommending that product to me? Your AI is oh, not okay. smart I enough to saying. know you're, I sent you're talking that to about someone those else. Edge, you're talking about those edge cases. What I'm talking about is oh, no, I'm after about, I every buy time I go some, there, I'm like, I don't want any of this. Sh-. You know what? They time. bundle the three things together. Okay. So I'm not talking about the homepage experience. I actually agree on the homepage experience. They don't surface great stuff. I, when I'm on the product page and they're like, buy these three things together. Yeah. I always find the two other things are super relevant. And then if you page down, they, they build that little comparison where they're like, here's what you're looking at, this anchor battery pack. And then here mm-hmm. are the four or five knockoffs. So I can be like, oh, yeah, those suck. Or, oh, that one does look better. I think that's actually how I found anchor. I was looking at some battery pack and then anchor came up as like a competitor. And I was like, well, that looks like it's got better specs. And I clicked on it and went there. Right. So I like their SKU page, but I agree their homepage. Like their newsfeed is not. No, it's terrible. Like the actual shopping recommendation is just hysterical. It's just, it's actually laughable at this point. Like yeah, the, the level whole, I agree that with that. The homepage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also have been pitched over and over again on the concierge service. I, uh, you know, where somebody helps you find what you're looking for, helps you make a decision. I always thought that that would work at some point. Um, and a wire cutter is probably the best manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's a startup idea. Let me run this one up the flagpole and see if anybody mm-hmm. salutes. Let's put this in the toaster and see if it gets golden brown. Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you, you know yum, how the yum. wire cutter, yum, yum. You know how the wire cutter, like, you just feel like, all right, if I pick on the wire cutter now on by the New York Times, and apparently the, the wire Amazon cutter media. people, well, the, the, yeah, the New York Times is kind of like, oh, you're, you work for the wire cutter, we pay you half as much as the New York Times writers. So like, but we work twice as hard. They're like, yeah, but no. Okay. You're not fancy. You don't live. You're not journalist. You're not journalist, even though you do a better job. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, It really is pretty amazing that they just do not value the wire cutter people. And it's like they print money and like they're better than the journalists at the New York Times at what they do. Like, Mm -hmm. how could you how could you make them second class citizens inside the New York Times? I guess because they can. Isn't that just weird that they're like so like, pro uh, like, union at the New York Times and so liberal and they well, no, no, hate no. their own they, unions? The leadership of the New York Times is not pro union at not all. Not at like, all. That was oh a freaking dog fight at the New York Times. So then the wire cutter comes in. They do not relate. Let me tell you, as somebody who wrote about technology at the New yes. York Times, that is not a coverage area that they have any respect for. Like they have started to have respect for it now because it's like, oh, is mm. Facebook really, you know, detrimental mm. to democracy fun story forever 
but in but like product stuff and did they want unions absolutely not I was Absolutely hoping not. three or four of those wire cutter people would just come up with a new product idea and pitch me because I tried to invest in Brian's company 10 times when he was mm-hmm. at like a $10 million valuation. He was making like a million dollars. So I was like, let me put $2 million into this. And then he winds up selling for like, what did he sell for 30 million or 40 million? And I understand mm-hmm. like it's, he owned 80% of it. So like, congratulations. But I was just like, oh my God, don't sell this thing. Like I can, I can help you get $5 million in secondary shares. Sell your personal shares to an investor. I'll put two million. I begged him not to do it. I like asked I him four times. Had totally forgotten about this, but I remember now that his Brian whole Lamb. deal with Wirecutter was that he didn't want to. It was it's such an interesting founder story because he didn't want to grow it. It was almost like Craigslist, where like once it got yes. once Craigslist existed, Craig was like, I'm never iterating on this thing again. And Brian was like, I want to live in Hawaii and just yes. let the Wirecutter run itself. And then I'm sure that he was like, 30 million dollars, great, that's a win. And now if you like open up the wire cutter in a browser and then open up the spruce.com in the next tab over because they're doing effectively the spruce is a home recommendation site. So they do a lot of what wire cutter does aggregated content just for your home. And they do product recommendations. And lately what I've discovered is all of the SEO takes me to the spruce before the wire cutter and look how freaking beautiful it is. Like this pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking at their, uh, my go-to, oh, yeah. and now I'm like spruce for everything. Uh, everything. Too many ads, but okay, yeah. Um, look at that, the spruce. Yeah, I'm looking at the electric theaters, and I, that's a really good tell for me if it worked. And they literally copied the um, wire cutter format. Yep. But they did it a little bit better. But it's prettier. Or maybe. It's prettier. Yep. Maybe. I don't know. They have better I'm, SEO, too, somehow. Like, they're uh, coming up a lot. They're they're really, they're kicking. Mm. Well, maybe we, just invest in, in that maybe we should too. just invest in the spruce. I, I believe in, the, maybe they've already raised money. But anyway, um, here was my idea. Yeah. You have these people who are, um, you know, experts. Maybe we just do this on this week and start up. But anyway, you have these people who are category experts. And they need what? Like, to do that review of the electric heaters, what, what would you need to resource to do that, Molly? In terms of, like, cost, you have to buy them, right? So you have to spend $1,000 on electric heaters because you don't yep. want to get them for free. Yep. So you got a thousand dollars in electric heaters you have to buy, and then what do you have to do? You have to hire you got to hire somebody to test it. One to two testers, depending. Okay. Like, do you want a lab? You want consumer report style lab stuff, or do you want individual like labs, reviewer yeah. with anecdotal? You know, so then you probably need a lab hmm. that could be that could be real estate and lab installation, or it's um, done out of somebody's home, and that person you know exactly. Knows how to do it. So, so what like, would it take the to do person. that? How many weeks slash how many editorial days? would it take to make a spruce page or a wire cutter page on electric heaters and to it, test it and to test it? Yeah. That whole and process. To, and so you're, and you're popping up the website from zero or the website already exists. Let's just assume I wanted to make that one page. Forget about building the website, building the team, just one page on here are humidifiers. Here are phone chargers. Here yeah. are electric heaters. So we'll stick with electric heaters. How long does it take that writer? Mm-hmm. How many days to do the electric heater review? And make I'm that gonna great page. Say to make this great page, you could do it in two weeks. Your review would be a little light. So ten days would the, be light. The primary time here that's built in is the time with product, right? The it. getting it in, figuring out some installation if it's like an actual appliance, and then mm-hmm. having a proper amount of time to test it. Got Minimum it. a week. Okay. Like most beautiful and well thought out a month. Got it. So you buy ten of them. Yep. For whatever it is, a hundred bucks each on average, 
you spend a day working on each one, and then you spend another week getting your thoughts together and architecting, and then a week polishing it and publishing it. So it's 20 editorial days, and that editor would get paid what? A thousand bucks a week, two thousand bucks a week, fifteen hundred bucks a week, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So fifteen hundred bucks a week. So each of those pages costs six thousand dollars in editorial costs and one thousand dollars in one thousand dollars in uh, buying the products. That's so seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're I'm just saying one. per. I, I try to think unit economics when yep, I'm going yep, through business. Exactly. So it's mm -hmm. seven thousand dollars per product. $7,000 per product page. Yep, exactly. Inclusive of what the writers get paid. Yeah. So somebody from the wire cutter or the spruce or somebody who formerly worked there, can they DM me and Molly? You, you can just DM us together. I mean, I do know some people at CNET, which is still doing this yeah. right now. So there we are. could probably. So here's what I want to do. Yeah, I want to run a test. Spruce, DM us and tell us. No, no. I want to I I poach somebody. So I want to uh, poach somebody. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Looks like Consumer Reports has 130 researchers, scientists, engineers, testing experts. I want to hire somebody to do this for us and give them the seven grand and make it into a podcast episode where you and I talk to them about, you know, their reviews. And then we mm -hmm. just have a landing page. This week in startups.com slash phone chargers slash TVs. What, you know, you whatever. get into reviews? Like, what? Well, I, I love product. You love product. I love product. But I, really I don't do. want to do any of the work. And I don't want you doing any of the work. Really? Because I'm so excited about my EV reviews. When's my EV review well, okay, coming Okay, fine. Well, I don't know. That's to producer well, we Charles. picky, actually. So the EV reviews, let's use um, that as a test case for both okay. audience and advertiser interest. Okay. Because, yes, we do love product. And frankly... Well, we already we sold could, out. Ooh, and how could we integrate this with, like, a product hunt or even, like, a... um. How can we turn this into an investment opportunity? They're trying out like brand new yeah. stuff potentially. Who I just to like fly the, in the drone? Yeah, <laughs> this is what I want to. I want to have the this week in startups reviewer. Yep. come on, tell us like, hey, listen, and the this week in startups lab, we did X, Y, and Z, and here's what came out of it, and this is the yeah. one you should buy. And then you and I would ask them probing questions, make sure they did a good job, and then that's it. You know, there are a ton of creators doing this. We could find a creator and partner with them. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. find us a creator. So, mm -hmm. If anybody wants to do this, pitch us. I, I'd like to try it. And then, I, of course, the EV reviews, but that's like a whole nother ball of wax. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's, doing that's a, part of my decarbonization can be sexy strategy. <laughs> doing a car review, I think that's also like a 10 full days, five to 10 full days when car and driver does it. What do they spend? Oh, they go to the or track even and a month. They do like the long-term ones now that are six yeah. months. And yeah, I mean, I think a month minimum. Mm -hmm. A month really, to do a real fully fledged car review, right? Not the like, you'll I see think, when my Audi review comes out, it's like I had it for two weeks. I did like a two to three minute video, like, sure, fine. I think Consumer Reports is a public company. I'm sorry, nonprofit. Because I it's was going to try to, I was going to try to buy it at some point when I was mm -hmm. doing a gadget and stuff like that. I was like, somebody figure out how we buy this thing. And they're like, hey, schmuck, it's a nonprofit. You can't buy it. I was like, yeah. everything's for sale. Get me the editor in chief. Yeah. And they were like, these people are weird, man. You can't. They're, an they're just like a bunch of weird people in Connecticut or something. I forgot where they were. And they're like, you, you can't buy these people. They're just. You know what those. Consumer Reports has that I did not know actually is a really big government relations what? team. And they do a ton of policy and lobbying stuff. Like they turn mm. a lot of the safety stuff into policy recommendations. Oh, and wow. they've got a whole like Washington relationship thing. That's very interesting. Yeah. I don't know about this organization. I, I wonder what their whole budget is. Oh, here we go. We have it. Mm -hmm. Wait, 
amounts are in thousand. Subscriptions, newsstand, and other sales, $226 million? Mm-hmm. It's way bigger than you think. There are two, yeah. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's got to be somebody who worked at one of these three organizations that we can poach to run this for us, Molly. For sure. Because we're sold out already. Our advertisers are sold out. They're happy. This would be like a neat thing to do on the show. I love those product reviews. You love product reviews. It'd be good. Let's get a, let's start our own lab. Great. Love it. Fun. Love it. All right, everybody. That's it. Let's, that's enough show for one day. <laughs> it totally is. All right. I have, I have one thing that you should see, Jason. Oh, no. That okay. came out during the recording. Uh-oh. What is Uh-oh. it? Wait, am I going to see it on live or you play a video or something? Oh, no. That's the work Fridays. That oh, no. Wait, Mark Andreessen did that's below my line? To you. Oh, Wait, to it's... you. He tweeted it at you. He quote tweeted your original tweet. Kind of gross for a big VC to dump on a founder, but then again, it is Mark. And he Wait, but he, he's not following me. How did he do that? He probably unblocked you to just drop this. Oh, so that's the same strategy he does with Jack. He unblocks Jack. Wait, can you drop the Twitter link in here? This is really hard to see on our little screen here. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, he's not blocking me anymore. (gasps) So he unblocked me. Take this opportunity. Say everything you've been wanting to say. Go, go, go. I could just, uh, I could just, uh, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a screenshot of it and then I'm going to do this guy. What was Jack's tweet? He said, like, this guy unblocked me just to get me Jack's exact tweet, and I'll just cut and paste that. Remember Jack said this guy untweeted me, unblocked me just to do this lame tweet? Yeah. This guy unblocked me just to share the lamest Just a dunk on Shamath. In the world. (laughs) CC at Jack. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know why this is so contentious, Molly? No. Because there's, there's so little at stake. Right, totally. Because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. Because it literally doesn't matter. It's like just a bunch of rich people acting stupid. So pull wow. up mine, Nick. I just sure. did mine. This is mine. <laughs> Let oh, the tweet Lord. wars continue. There's nothing at stake. It's so funny. Mark and Jason's a trip. <laughs> he's, he's actually a secret fan. I'm told by his, like, I would say who, but let's just say I have people inside the building. I've got my people inside the building and Mark Andreessen loves J Cal and he loves all in pod. And the fact is he copied my playbook of doing podcasts and he, none of his pods can beat any of my pods. The end for our pods. No. Sorry. Oh, where's Andreessen Horowitz in the ranking? Oh, yeah. How we're m- really oh, just, I know. We're just really thirty just billion like, dollars in assets under management, the and they mic. can't. They can't even be. They can't even come close to either of the pods we do. Come on, Mark. Just pack it in, kid. Just collect your money and retire. Um. All right. There it is. <laughs> Molly. This might, be, this might be my favorite show of the whole almost month that I've been here right now. It's the part where uh, you we know literally what? just I, hang out. I didn't sleep last night. I like I, know, I drove like, up I to Tahoe at the middle of the night. I had to get up early and make eggs for the kids. I mean, I lost yeah, my okay. internet. It's just been crazy. All right, everybody, this has been right. an amazing show. Go, go ski. You've earned it, kid. I'm You've Jake earned Anna. it.